The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Well, the state of Pennsylvania had a heck of a week last week, especially on Friday. A lot of stuff happening in Pennsylvania. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. So one of the things that first happened <laughs> was a bridge collapse in Pennsylvania. And what was crazy about this bridge collapse, it was on the cusp of President Biden's infrastructure speech in Pennsylvania. So voila, magically, a bridge collapse of infrastructure on the day Biden was delivering his speech on infrastructure and the need for funding of infrastructure. Now, on the surface, it can be looked at two ways. Either it was progressive policies and ineptness, or it was subversion or sabotage or something sinister. Now, it would be easy to think that, when you have things like the Wakosha car attack that just got memory hold, how about the Nashville bombing? That was memory hold. How about the fact that a guy in the most surveilled city in the United States in Las Vegas shot up 50 plus people at a country music concert and we don't know anything more about it? Yeah, that got memory hold as well. How about the feds being involved with the rioting at the Capitol and also a plot? To, to take a hostage uh, such as the governor of uh, Wisconsin. I mean, I don't know. I could easily see that there could be the possibility of something more sinister. Uh, they could blow up a bridge and then have the infrastructure speech pandering for infrastructure spending and trying to get support in that manner. But it could also be due to progressive policies. And this gentleman, Liberty's Metal on Twitter, uh, has a great thread that I, it probably is more likely this scenario. Um, the bridge that just collapsed in the city of Pittsburgh was set to be restored in 2016. Instead of replacing the completely rusted out supports, they diverted the money to bike lanes and green energy programs and lanes for self-driving cars. And uh, instead of replacing the support beams, they used cables and diverted the money to woke garbage, to which somebody has a picture of that cable back in 2016 and said, I hope someone's keeping an eye on the underside of the Forbes Avenue bridge over Frick Park. One of the big X beams is rusted through entirely. And yes, I see the cable, so probably not a big crisis. Well, it was a crisis because the bridge collapsed. <laughs> Pittsburgh has 446 bridges of the most in the world. Almost 40% of them are in, are in poor condition. Meanwhile, over 40 years of Democrat leadership has diverted funds to art projects, bike lanes, and incentives for Silicon Valley tech companies to headquarter here. Same Silicon Tech Valleys that are infatuated with Xi Jinping. Mark Zuckerberg, in meeting with Xi Jinping, this is apparently in Peter Schweitzer's book, Red Handed, um, actually said, my wife is pregnant. What should we name the baby? <laughs> That doesn't seem like he's just you know saying, hey, nice to meet you. He's got a bit more infatuation for this guy. And they show how high up the bridges are. Um, 
there was a website where people can request to repair roads and bridges in Pittsburgh. It was posted three years ago and is listed as closed. Obviously, the bridge collapsed today. A sinkhole opened up in the middle of the city and swallowed a Port Authority bus just a few weeks ago. That bus remained there for weeks. And for years, several bridges had nets under them to catch the falling concrete coming off the bridges from smashing onto highways below. Pennsylvanians pay some of the highest gas taxes in the country, almost a dollar a gallon, supposedly to support infrastructure. The infrastructure routinely ranks at the bottom of the country. Before anyone blames it on salt and cold weather, some of the best roads are in South Dakota. <laughs> Unbelievable. While infrastructure crumbled and crime skyrocketed, Pittsburgh city leaders spent their time pursuing universal basic income. In fact, from Trib Live in downtown Pittsburgh, Peduto seeks approval for 2.5 million universal basic income programs in Pittsburgh. In 2012, Obama announced a huge infrastructure plan and shovel-ready jobs. Pittsburgh was granted millions of dollars in funds. Instead of repairing bridges, they spent over $500 million to build 25 miles worth of light rail to carry people to Steelers games for free. The North Shore Connector ranks third in the country on the list of the most wasted stimulus fund projects. Unbelievable. And what really caught his attention here was with PennDOT, you know, Pennsylvania's Department of Transportation. While they were mismanaging funds and letting infrastructure collapse, this was their internal focus. And check out this letter that they sent out. Dear colleagues, PennDOT's dismantling systemic racism and inequities report assessed PennDOT's diversity and inclusion efforts to better understand structural racism in transportation generally and evaluated programs and initiatives that could help with these issues. One of the recommendations that came out of the DSRI report was the creation of a new position to lead the implementation of the identified recommendations and moving other diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives forward. So they made up a new position and they hired this chick from this university to come in and handle inclusion and diversity. See, this is what they do. They did this with Ibram X. Kendi, that guy who's out there pretending to be some sort of uh, authority on how to defeat systemic racism. He gets paid like 28000 to go to these colleges and speak. That's a grift. The guy's making tons of money. It's like Black Lives Matter. We just found out they've been closed for about four months. They can't find anyone in the office. Where did all the money go? You had companies like Target and Nike and everybody donating to Black Lives Matter in 2020 over George Floyd and those people are gone. Money's gone. No one knows what happened to Black Lives Matter. They've been pretty quiet over the last couple of months. We do know that Patrice Cullors has three houses. One of them has a landing strip for an airplane. I think she even has a house on an island she was trying to buy. <laughs> and they're just magically gone. Where's DeRay Kessum? Remember that guy? The guy that always wore the little uh, vest like he was from Back to the Future. He had a little bubble vest. And he always put his little fist up in the air. He's hanging out with Jack Dorsey from Twitter. He's gone. What about Sean White, the guy who pretends to be black, but he's white? He's gone, too, and he's making a lot of money on the back end. So they hire Nicole Taylor. She comes to PennDOT from the Office of Administration, where she was learning, a learning and development specialist. Over 12 years of experience creating and developing diversity, equity, and inclusion training programs, she is well-suited to lead our DEI efforts here at PennDOT as the Director of Equitable Transportation. Still trying to figure out this whole roads and bridges being racist thing. That is the biggest grift. That is what Pete Buttigieg is out there saying. He's out there talking about how he's going to make 
sure that no one ever dies from a car accident ever again. But he was also talking about the systemic racism of roads and bridges. Apparently, certain bridges were made so low that buses couldn't take black people and Hispanics to the beaches in New York or some crap like that. I, I don't even know what that was. It was just complete garbage. It was just they had actually it was uncovered that they had a design that they modeled after because of the aesthetics of it. And then they found out later that it didn't really work too well with a lot of the buses. It wasn't because of racism, Pete. But yeah, Pete Buttigieg actually wanted to make sure that you'll never die of a car accident ever again. Another thing that it's going to take in order to change the trajectory of roadway safety in this country is a single ambitious shared goal. And today we commit that our goal is this, zero. Our goal is zero deaths. A country where one day nobody has to say goodbye to a loved one because of a traffic crash. I understand the scale of the challenge and the ambition represented by that goal. And I understand that we may not get there during my tenure as secretary. But the decision to commit to that goal in a serious way at a national level changes the way cities and towns design roads. It changes the ways companies build cars. It changes the way people drive them. Now, the big picture here, what he's really saying is you're going to lose control because that's what they're, they're all about control. They want to guide electric cars around with using the 5G, and then they're going to end up pushing you around, you know, in driverless cars so that you can, you know, text away and you can get to, get to your destination. You don't need to own the vehicle, right? So next time you want to go to a Stop the Steal protest, I've said this over and over, maybe the car will just not honor your request to go to that destination. Um, maybe they'll... Uh, pull you over and uh, check you if you're not saying the right things or don't hold the right positions. You know, th that's what ultimately comes on the back end of this in the guise of efficiency and comfort and safety. And so you have to look at these people. But the fact that they squander your tax money, the money that you put up and they give it over to World Economic Forum wish list ideas that you didn't vote for. Your representative didn't go on your behalf to Congress, to the state legislature and ask for these things on your behalf. But your money ends up being taken and given over to these World Economic Forum wish list ideas that some of the relatives of these politicians, well, their family members are on the CEO board and they're making all the money off of it. It's a giant grift. And what happened in Pennsylvania with the bridge collapse seems to be could be some sinister elements there because it happened on the actual day that Joe Biden was coming to speak for infrastructure. But it could also be progressive policies ended up screwing up uh, infrastructure all on its own because the money never goes where it's supposed to. It's like those third world countries. We drop money down there because we want to help the citizens because they need food. And then the warlords or the, you know, the junta come in and they just take the money and then they divvy it up between themselves and that money goes absolutely nowhere. It's basically how it happens with your tax dollars. So on the other side of this break, we're going to get into the other development in Pennsylvania with the Unconstitutional Mail-In Voting Act. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. The other amazing development that happened in Pennsylvania was the voting law that was struck down. The mail-in voting 
I don't even want to call it a law because it should have been put before legislatures and allowed to be voted on. But from Fox 43, court ruling puts mail-in voting on hold in Pennsylvania. Actually, if you read the if you read the judge's opinion, sounds like it's done. Friday's Commonwealth Court opinion declares Act 77 of 2019 unconstitutional, though an appeal is expected by the Department of State. A statewide court says Pennsylvania's expansive two-year-old mail-in voting law is unconstitutional, agreeing with challenges by Republicans who soured on mail-in voting after then-President Donald Trump began baselessly attacking it as rife with fraud in the 2020 campaign. Baselessly. We just found out it's friggin' unconstitutional. I think he has plenty of base to call it fraud. <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot of base there. According to a Commonwealth Court filing uh, released Friday, the court ruled that Act 77, allowing residents to vote by mail in Pennsylvania, violates Article 7, Section 1 of the Pens- Pennsylvania Constitution. Hmm, who's been saying something about that? I know we have. Mark Levin covered it. A lot of people covered this for a while, immediately after the campaign. The Commonwealth Court denied the uh, Pennsylvania Department of State acting secretary's application for summary relief. In the ruling, Commonwealth Court Judge Mary Hannah Leavitt wrote, If presented to the people a constitutional amendment to end Article 7, Section 1 requirement of in-person voting is likely to be adopted, but a constitutional amendment must be presented to the people and adopted into our fundamental law before legislation, allowing no excuse mail-in voting can be placed upon our statute books. So they basically just put in, we're just going to put in, you know, a judicial ruling that says we can have mail-in voting, even though the legislature never even voted on it. So your representatives that you voted for to send to Pennsylvania, you Pennsylvanians, your representatives did not get a say in deliberating between themselves if this should be on the books as law, as legislation passed by your representatives. <laughs> yeah, that's unconstitutional. Is that baseless? <laughs> These people are just ridiculous. They have to hold the narrative up regardless of the facts. That's how they operate. Friday's decision by a five-judge Commonwealth Court panel could be put on hold immediately by an appeal from Governor Tom Wolf's administration to the state Supreme Court. The decision throws the state's voting laws into doubt in a big election year. The three Republican judges agreed with Republican challengers. The two Democrats on the panel dissented. Governor Wolf said his administration would immediately appeal the decision in hopes that the Supreme Court would issue a stay, thus halting the lower court's decision. So what's going to happen is this inept governor is going to try to basically put things on hold so it can just kind of hang there in limbo for the election to occur. Then they can do whatever they want, throw in ballots. They can send people home in the middle of the night instead of counting them. They can have water mains break, put cardboard over the windows and act like it's a legitimate election and then let the legal side actually come through as it should after the damage is done. That's how that's how things operate there. (laughs) It's unbelievable. The Republican controlled legislature passed Act 77 with strong bipartisan support in 2019 to make voting more safe, secure, and accessible, and millions of Pennsylvanians have embraced it. The fact is that the dear, uh, despite near-unanimous Republican legislative support for this historic update to Pennsylvania's election law, they now want to strip away mail-in voting 
in the service of the big lie, Wolf said in a statement. So we can dissect that a bit. Um, they did pass it in 2019 in between the Beijing Military Olympics of coronavirus uh, and the event 201 happening in November 2019. Somebody might have been in the know on that. And the Republicans are basically in Pennsylvania. They're very squishy and rhino-ish. So they would be on board with ousting Donald Trump through this mail-in voting ruse. And they, he, Governor Wolf wants to say, oh, well, you know, millions of Pennsylvania citizens actually embraced it, you know, and they uh, and we had near unanimous Republican legislative support for it, even though it never was put into law. <laughs> so the representatives didn't get to represent the people. So you can go out there and just assume, well, you know, a lot of people liked it. How do you know that, Governor Wolf? You don't. It's amazing. Act 77, the Pennsylvania law which legalized no-excuse mail-in voting in 2019, was originally born out of a compromise between legislative Republicans and Democrat Governor Tom Wolf. Republicans wanted to eliminate straight-ticket voting, and to do so, gave mail-in voting to Democrats. Prior to this, only people who qualified for absentee voting were allowed to vote by mail, because absentee voting allows verification you have to request a ballot. You have to fill out identification verification. You have to do all of these measures that make that kind of voting secure. You don't just, I can't just email my vote in. I can't just, you know, American Idol my text vote in for the presidency. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Republicans voted in a near, uh, in near unanimity. Republicans voted in near unanimity. In act for Act 77, 27 to 0 in the Senate, 105 to 2 in the House, Democrats offered no support in the Senate and were split in the lower chamber, 59 against 33-4. However, like many things, the coronavirus pandemic changed everything. Mail-in ballots cast by people wary to visit crowded polling places during the height of the pandemic overwhelmed the election offices during the June 2020 primary election. When November general elections came up, more than 2.6 million votes cast for president more than third of all those votes were by mail. Among that number, every two, uh, two of every three mail-in voters, more than one million total were registered Democrats. Joe Biden won the election over Donald Trump by 80,000 votes. Following the election, some Republicans wrote legislation calling for the repeal of Act 77, claiming no excuse mail-in voting violates the Constitution. Only voters who qualify for absentee voting are allowed to vote by mail. Many claimed changes to the election code must be done, they said, Though a uh, through a constitutional amendment where the proposal passes through the House and the Senate on two consecutive sessions with the same language before it is approved by voters. See, they just kind of shoved it through and it wasn't even constitutional. <laughs> they didn't even put it through in the proper constitutional methods. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the opinion by Justice Lee of it said, but a, but a constitutional amendment must be presented to the people and adopted into our fundamental law before legislation authorizing no-excuse mail-in voting can be placed upon our statute books. That is Lancaster City, uh, 126A at 201. For these reasons, we grant summary relief to McLinko and declare that Act 77 violates section or Article 7, Section 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. So it was not constitutional. I mean, it should have never been passed through uh, without going through that process. And that in starts begging some questions. Did we have fraudulent mail-in voting? Because it was basically 
six areas that flipped the entire election. And we covered those. Maricopa County, you know, we, we covered a lot of those in a podcast where we drilled down on how to fix election integrity by focusing first on those six areas, Pennsylvania having a big part of that. And of course, the January 6th committee is now trying to say that those alternative electors in Pennsylvania and some other places that were brought in were uh, people undermining our democracy, which we're a constitutional republic. We're not a democracy. But I really think now that I start to see the big picture of what this committee is doing, it's only there for a couple of reasons. Obviously, it's there to uphold the narrative, to make the MAGA supporting Trump supporters look as though they're violent and they're unruly and they want to destroy our system of government. The other thing it is, I believe, starting to see people being subpoenaed, the ones being subpoenaed now, the ones they're focusing on, this is so that the rhinos, in participation with the Democrats, the Marxist leftists, can cover up this voting scheme ruse. And how are they doing that? Well, in the beginning, they were, what, they, they subpoenaed Steve Bannon. They subpoenaed, uh, what is it, uh, Mark Meadows. You know, in the beginning, I laughed about it. I'm like, they're just trying to make it look like there's some sort of clout to this whole thing. But then when you find out that Mark Meadows' phone conversations were leaked, and, and we found out he was talking to Sean Hannity and all that, I mean, he's, he's been interviewed by him. I mean, does, is that out of the realm of possibility? But we find out that they're going through their communication devices. But it really struck me when they started subpoenaing Sidney Powell and they subpoenaed Jenna Ellis, because I remember listening to Jenna Ellis immediately after the election. And she was very strong on saying, we're, we are going to uncover all of this election fraud, whether it's Kraken and, and Dominion voting systems. I think it's more like putting in unconstitutional laws to allow mail-in votings and stuffing pristine ballots. I think that's more plausible. And they're going through their communication devices. So Adam Kinzinger and uh, Liz Cheney and uh, Nancy Pelosi and all them. I think this is a way for them to dig into their communication devices and find out what they know. They subpoenaed Rudy Giuliani, who was big on, on the election fraud, uh, uh, legal reactions to uh, the legal uh, response to the election fraud. And I think they're trying to find out what these people know, because we now know that the election fraud did happen and the Pennsylvania unconstitutional Mail-in voting scheme was batted down, which would have probably had a big impact on the election. Pennsylvania was one of the states we were waiting to hear before we could call a winner. So I, it's obvious to me that there's a bigger picture here. I seem to think China has a big hand in this because China has put money in the backs, in the pockets of people like Pelosi. They have paid for people like McConnell or McConnell's wife. They have paid for people in politics. They have paid for the Biden family. I mean, hell, they were doing business with, with Joe Biden and his son. So when Donald Trump decided, because think about it, Donald Trump comes down the escalator. He wants to build a wall. A lot of people go crazy. They weren't going crazy over Ted Cruz. They weren't going crazy. They, they went crazy over Trump because he said two things. I want to build a wall and we need to renegotiate trade deals with China. 
all of a sudden he was the biggest persona no grata. And when Trump decided to start tweaking Chinese trade deals that la- right in 2019, he started saying, I'm going to renegotiate deals with China. China started feeling the impact. All of a sudden we have a Wuhan lab break. We have uh, mail-in voting put into place. We have all these World Economic Forum uh, Agenda 2030 conventions and pandemic drills. And all of a sudden we have a pandemic and we get to shut the nations down. Basically anyone on the globe that has a Western democracy or a Western uh, representative Republic style government, whether it be Brazil, what, look what they did to Australia. Jeez. Um, they locked these places down and they went after their elections. You know, we had Justin Trudeau put back into office for some God awful reason. I mean, listen to Justin Trudeau. Regardless of the fact that we are attacking your fundamental rights or limiting your fundamental rights, and the Charter says that's wrong, we're still going to go ahead and do with it. It's basically a loophole that allows a majority to override fundamental rights of a minority. That's why we're not a democracy, (laughs) because... We're not going to let the majority tell the minority what to do. We're a representative republic because it gives that localized centralization to communities that then get represented on a federal union level so that there is actual equity and actual inclusion going on built in by the framers, the founders of the Constitution. But um, this is just shows that if we don't get these elections situated, then we're going to have situations where the Democrats are in control. They're diverting funds all over the place for crap green energy projects that their family members are CEOs of, and they're making all the money on the back end, and China's getting a big old cut. And we have bridges fall apart that should have been repaired six years ago. (laughs) That's what we're looking at. So that's the point of the entire podcast this week, is that we have uncovered that a lot of progressive policies were impacting your life directly and they wanted to keep that power by passing unconstitutional measures to strip away your representation. I'm Adrian Slate. Thanks for tuning in to the show. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart. You can also get it on Roku. Find the Roku channel in your streaming store. Support the show. Adrian, uh, anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade slash support or be on the show. One nine two nine go go USA. God bless.